feel like dancing, man. How y'all doing? Y'all good? Everybody had a good Thanksgiving? You're not out of town. Thank you guys for being here. I think there's a bunch of people watching on Facebook. So uh, thank you guys for staying in your pajamas this morning and watching. Um, appreciate you guys getting up and coming here. Uh, I've been back there drinking coffee and Mountain Dew for the past couple hours. So we'll see what happens, okay? Uh, my name is Jono. I am the youth pastor here, uh, family pastor, I think it actually is what they call it. I hang out with teenagers mostly, so it's good to meet you guys. If this is your first time here, uh, our pastor Kim is on vacation, and he is up in South Carolina with his family. So if you hate today, if this is terrible, uh, I would just encourage you to come back and give us another chance because it's not always like this, all right? Uh, so just, just, just deal with it, just go with it, and, um, uh, and we'll have fun. Now, I don't mean to brag, uh, but you guys are looking at the Brookstone Estates Subdivision November Yard of the Month runner-up. So, thank you. Yes, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, and, and the thing about being runner-up is you get your daughter and you hop in the car and you go drive around the neighborhoods like, who the heck got first? My yard's better than anybody. Some of my neighbors are in here. I'm sorry. Um, I, I, I'm not... But my yard is awesome. No, I don't know what. I don't, my yard's terrible. Actually, there are leaves all in it. I don't know how we did it. I think it's we had like two mums on the porch, so that must have been it. But as soon as I win runner up, we hop in the car and I'm like, I got to go find out who's first because I'm comparing myself and I want to go look at their house and see if it's actually better. And it was. It was. They did a good job. But that that's not good. That thing inside me that makes me start comparing. Uh, it is not. It is not a good thing. And that is just one of the things. There's so many things in our lives that feeds this comparison. That feed, and, and it makes us miserable. It is not the way that we are supposed to live. Um, and in those times where we are, are not like zeroed in on Jesus and, and realizing that, that we have a mission, that, that, that the whole reason that you exist, like the whole reason that you were born was to know him and help others know him. And if we're doing anything else then we are completely missing what he has for us. Like your whole deal in life is to know him. Your whole, the whole reason that you exist is to know him through his word, through his spirit, and spend time with him. And when I'm not zeroed in on him, that's when I find myself start comparing. The world does not do us any favors. I mean, good grief. Just, just social media alone. Just think about social media. I am, it is nothing, it is a brag fest. I hate it. And I love it. Can I get an amen? I, I hate it. I hate it on one hand. And I love it at the same time. Now, but, but we're so desensitized to it. Like, we don't even think selfies are weird anymore. Like, we, like it's a thing. I couldn't, when, when the selfie stick came out, I was like, are you kidding me? We're making, like, peripheral devices that can help us take a picture of ourselves. Like, how vain. Do you guys realize how weird it is to post a selfie? I'm sorry if I'm offending anyone because there's some selfie people in here, I think, probably. But it, like, that, it's weird just to take a picture of yourself and, and like throw it out like, look at me, like it, look at Oh, here I am. Here's how good I look. What, what if I like printed out 100 pictures of myself and stood back? It would be like that, me printing out pictures of myself. Living large, hashtag living large. And standing back there at the door as you guys go out, like, hey, do you like it? Do you like this? Do you like it? 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 Look at it for well, no, 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 just look at it. Stare at it for a minute. Like it. Like, any comments you'd like to say about my picture? Like, that is weird. But we're cool with it. We're cool. I make fun of it, but most, for the most part, we're cool with it. 
I am so thankful. I am actually, I am so thankful there was no social media when I was in high school. Anybody else thankful for that? Like, I knew there was stuff I didn't get invited to. Like, there was a lot of it, probably. But I can't imagine having to scroll through and be like, oh, didn't get invited to that. Didn't get, oh, nope, didn't get invited. What does my best friend do? They didn't, no one told me. That would be terrible. I'm sorry, high schoolers, middle schoolers. That's, that's awful. I am so thankful that there was no social media when I was in high school because it does nothing but feed the me monster inside of me. It is, it, is, it, is, it is pretty rough. Now, at the end of the day, at the end of the day, comparison is really just competition. Comparison is just competition. And what I'm competing for is an identity. I'm competing for an acceptance. I'm competing for um, to, to fit in, to be in. And I want to have... Uh, I want to have an identity, and I have this desire for approval and acceptance, and this, this, um, this me monster I've created, this, this selfishness that the world feeds in me and that wants to grow inside of me, um, man, it's just an identity gone bad, and it, it is a veneer. We, we've used social media, we've used whatever methods, other methods, not just social media, to create this veneer that we have everything together. We've got this, this faux identity, and we're making everybody else think that we're strong here and that we've got it all together, and we're constantly comparing ourselves, and we're trying to, we're trying to better ourselves and prove ourselves, not by any biblical standard, but by the standard that some, the world's throwing at us. We see this, and we want to be like that, and we see that, and we want to have that. We see them, and we want to look like them. We want to be like them. And we end up places we never were intended to be. I mean, you know, we spend so much time just like trying to fit in, trying to not look like a dork. I spend a lot of time trying not to look like an idiot, but, you know, comparing myself. And it's, it's not healthy. And if social media has destroyed anything, it has destroyed how we see ourselves. Like, what is the worst thing that you could do for someone that struggles with insecurity? Give them a phone with a camera on it that they carry around all the time. There's nothing that could hurt us more than the ability to just take pictures of ourselves and look at pictures of everybody all the time and constantly compare ourselves and compare ourselves and compare ourselves. Like no woman is taking a picture of herself at 6 a.m. and the clear seal's still drying on the zit and it's like hashtag, you know, Woman Crush Wednesday. And nobody is doing that. It's, it's all dolled up looking good, the right angle, like this is a new angle, like up here now, I don't know what's going on with that, like, but, but the right angle, and it's just like, just sitting around, doing nothing, this is how I look all the time, and, and we're comparing, you're comparing like your worst day to their best day, you're comparing the day that you feel, look in the mirror and feel like not good to three hours of prep time to take 47 selfies and look, nope, don't like that one, don't like that one, don't like that one, oh, that one's good, and, and, and that's the one, that's the one we post, and, and it's, it's a veneer, but here's the problem with a veneer. A true, uh, an untrue image of oneself will always lead to insecurity and discontentment. That if you, see, if you don't see yourself correctly, if you don't see yourself rightly, if you don't see yourself, uh, oh, my Bible's falling apart, sorry. Um, if you don't see yourself the way that, that God sees you and you were intended to be seen, then you're just going to end up being discontent. If you, don't, if you start comparing the path that he has you on to someone else's path, then you're just going to be discontent and insecure. And, and the enemy just pounces all over that and, and messes you up. And then what happens, like instead of dealing with these struggles, <clears throat> instead of dealing with these struggles, we, we put on the veneer, we come in here, 
we, we kind of fake it. I mean, a lot of us are faking it this morning. Things are not good. You're like, get, you're leaving here and things are not good when, when you leave. But we come in here and it's like, hey, how you doing? I'm good. How you doing? Everything's great. Well, did you have a good Thanksgiving? Yeah, we had a good Thanksgiving. And, and we just do that. And, and, and we're faking it. Like, we, if, if you've got an addiction, come in here and say it. You, you tell somebody. Like, this ought to be the place where it's okay to not be okay. Like, we ought to be open enough and helping each other enough where you come in here and say, I, I have doubts about God. I'm not sure what I believe about God. And, and it, it should be okay for you to have some issues because I, we, get, we got issues too. Everybody, I got issues. You got issues? I got issues? All God's children, we got issues, right? Like, we're not afraid of your brokenness. You need to feel home, feel at home here in your issues because there's no chance of any of that healing if we, don't, if we don't get it out there. If we're not honest about it, there's no chance that any of that stuff's going to heal. But here's where it gets dangerous. Here's where it gets dangerous because that, 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 that comparison leads to insecurity, which kind of ends us up, or well, definitely ends us up in this discontentment. And discontentment always works itself out in fantasizing. It always works itself out in, in fantasizing. You see someone else's hairstyle and you, want, you would actually like to have some hair, maybe a hairstyle at all. And, and, and so you, you daydream about what it would be like with hair and, and it's actually not good. So you stay bald because it would be, be rough. Um, but, but you may see somebody else's hairstyle and you, you want that. Or you see somebody else's waistline and you want that. You see somebody else's clothes, you want that. You see somebody else's house and you dream about that. What would it be like to have their house? What would it be like to look like them? What would it be like to have a different boyfriend? What would it be like to have a different wife or a different husband? And so we start fantasizing because we're not content. And, and then, so now we're, we're spiraling downward and we are headed towards jealousy and coveting. We're headed towards breaking commandments. Do not covet. Uh, and and we're, we're, be, we're jealous of, of everybody else and what they have. And that is, that is no way, that is no way to live, man. There is no joy in that. And what men do, what men do when we're insecure, we tend to kind of, we tend to kind of um, defend against that like physically and, and like with, with um, kind of bullying or, um, What's the word I'm looking for? Just kind of making somebody feel inferior. And that's why, guys, I mean, if you don't believe that, good grief, just go to the gym, okay? It's terrible. It is terrible. Uh, it's just, you know, men walking around like this, you know, puffed up chest. And like, you know, but men, if we're feeling insecure against another guy, we just, we work it out like, oh, you, I wish you would say something. Come on, I wish you would, okay? That's how, that's how we men work. Ladies tend to use words, and ladies have the ability, you have this gift where you can like, it is like your words can inject like this fertilizer of life and just make everything grow and beautiful and wonderful and life is awesome. Or like some cruel ninja assassin, you can like come in there and just burn it to burn the whole thing to the ground with your words. I've seen you do it. And it is amazing. But there's no, there's no joy in living like that. There's no joy in the competition or intimidating or in wishing or in fantasizing that you have that or things were different. It's not good. It's not where God wants you to be. There's no joy in that. There's no peace in that. In Romans 15, 13, turn there. Go ahead and turn to Romans 15, 13. If you have a Bible, open it up, flip there, boot up your Bible if you're using your phone. Or if you don't have it at all, we, uh, I think we'll throw it on the screen there. Romans 15, 13 says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow Underline overflow with hope 
by the power of the Holy Spirit. Like you're designed, you're designed to live with there, for there to be some joy. This is, this is the prayer for the church that there would be joy and peace that comes from knowing God. Because remember, your whole reason for existence is knowing him. And if you're not spending time getting to know him, then you're missing out on your entire purpose for living. Your pur- the, the purpose for living is not wealth and success. Like you, That may happen and that is a blessing and thank you, God. But that is not anybody's reason for living. Your reason for living is to know your heavenly father, figure out what he wants to do for you and obey him and follow him. We are followers of Jesus. That's all we do. We follow Jesus. We live it out every day. And if you're not doing that, you're missing out on everything. But the problem is some of us were kind of sold the brochure that when you started following Jesus, that life would get easier. And it doesn't. If somebody told you that... We hear it all the time. It's like, yeah, just, you know, God was there for me and he got me through this problem. And so, which he does, but what we, he doesn't fix all of our problems. He's with us in our problems. But if you look at anybody in the Bible, did anybody in the Bible's life who, who started following Jesus, did any of their lives get easier? Uh, no. Like they were all, they were all executed. They're all martyred, man. They're all killed for following Jesus. But Jesus said, like, you could go through every part, every bit of the New Testament. Every, every book in the New Testament talks about suffering. Just about every book. There's something about suffering in it. Like, our, we have to suffer well. We have to follow Jesus. And if we are comparing ourselves to, if we're comparing our suffering to someone's veneer on social media, you're going to be discontent. And you're going to be distracted from the, the, the path that God has for you. You can't compare. It'll eat your lunch, man. And from there, it robs our joy. Then, then it, it kills our communion with God. If you're taking notes, you need to write that down. That comparison kills our communion with God. Our knowing Him, our talking to Him, our listening to Him, our praying, our, our listening to Him answer prayers. Our communion, it, comparison kills the communion with God through his word because we're not interested anymore. And I could stand up here and tell you, and and I'm not going to, but I could stand up here and tell you that you don't need to compare yourself because it's going to make you feel bad. And if you want to feel good and have a fulfilled, happy life, then you should stop comparing. But that's just like self-help stuff. And this is not a self-help workshop, okay? That comparing totally messes up your purpose in life. And if I'm comparing my life against some unbiblical standard of what life ought to be like, I'm pretty much saying to God, hey, what you've done here, I'm not real good with it. Could you fix it? Could you change it? What you've given me, Lord, eh, it'd be really cool if you did something different. Because I'm not really digging what you've done for me so far. Is this the best you got? Or then, like, when it gets darker, there's been times where... I remember when, when uh, I remember when my grandmother was passing away. She had cancer. We're all praying um, for her to be healed. And I remember there was a guy telling me about him praying for a deal on his truck, and the Lord just blessed him, and he got four thousand dollars off MRP. Thank you, Lord. And I'm like, shut up. And then you know, because I'm comparing, I'm like, Lord, you gave him a deal on a truck, and you can't heal her. And then there, there's another guy that he's got everything. He's godless. He doesn't care about God. He will tell you that. Nice guy, but he's godless. 
but his business is booming. He's got every car you could possibly imagine. He's weightlifting. It looks good. He just, his company exploded. He doesn't even have to work. He just like counts his money all day and cares nothing about God. And then I compare myself, and I'm, look, and I'm just letting you in here. Maybe you guys don't do this. Pray for me in my sin if you're not struggling with this. But I start looking at that, and I'm like, Dadgum, I'm over here you know, hanging out with snotty-nosed kids. I'm teaching the Bible to teenagers who I'm pretty sure they're making fun of me the whole time. And, and I'm driving a Corolla. Really? My God, could you, why, why, why aren't you giving me that? And, and the Holy Spirit's pretty good, pretty quick about like, you know who you sound like? You sound like the prodigal's older brother. Like, Dad, you're giving him the party. I've been here the whole time. I didn't go, I didn't take off and spend all the money. And God's like, you don't think I can use that guy and, and restore that guy and make him a, just glorify me in a testimony? You think you, Jono, with, with your teenagers and your kids, you think you're the only one that I can use? Okay, I get it. I, comparison takes you to not good places. And, and, and when you're in that funk, when you're in that spot, you don't, you don't want anything to do with, with God and His Word. You start comparing yourself to what other people have. I even compare myself spiritually. Anybody ever do that? I don't know what that's all about. I compare myself spiritually. Like I, I remember one time we're sitting in the service, and, and I, I get distracted a little bit, okay, um, if I'm being honest. But then my wife is during the music, and I look over, and Heather, she's got hands raised, tears running down her face, and I'm like, dee, 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 dee. I look over, I'm like, oh, crap, I should probably be raising, I should do that too. Like, I just, and I'm just like comparing myself, I'm like, I'm not as spiritual as her. Like, that, that's not good. God's got a path for you. God's got a way that he wants you to be. But the way that that can end up working itself out is if you don't feel like you measure up spiritually, then you're going to start unplugging from, from the body. Because if you come in here and you're looking at everybody else's veneer and you've been seeing on social media all week how perfect their life is, and you come in here with your issues, you're going to look around and, and everybody else is singing and they got their hand raised, they're crying, whatever, and you're going to think, dang, I'm not as spiritual as them. I got problems. I don't know who to talk to. I don't want to be around this. I don't want to be around a bunch of people that, I, that seem to have it all together when my life's like falling apart. And that veneer, man, it messes us up. So comparing is a distraction that focuses our mind on ourselves and crowds out God. If you're taking notes, write that down. Comparison is a distraction that focuses our mind on ourselves and crowds out God. Because you were created to worship him, not just enjoy what he gives you. You're actually created to enjoy him. And the call on your life as a believer is not to be a successful American. The call on your life as a believer is to follow him and do what he wants you to do, to know him through his word, because most of what God has to say to you is already in here. Like 90% of what God wants you to do is already in here. You just have to read it. And so we pray, and we pray, and it's like, God, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? It's like, just read the Bible. Read the Bible. Read the Bible. You've got this purpose, man, and it doesn't require wealth. It doesn't require self-esteem. It doesn't require self-care, whatever the heck that is. It doesn't require cute little posts on Instagram using these spiritual-sounding, unbiblical words like vulnerability and authenticity that we post, and we try to sound all spiritual, and, and, and they're just kind of dumb. 
Because what following Jesus requires is there's a cost to it. It requires that we die. Dietrich Bonhoeffer said that when Christ calls a man, he bids him to come and die. That we die to ourselves, we die to our desires, we die to our plans, and we just follow him and say, God, Jesus, whatever you want to do with me, I'm good with it. If I'm not going to have a nice car, that's okay. If I'm not going to have this, that's okay. If I'm never going to go there, that's okay. I just want to do what you want me to do. And if I miss that, man, I'm missing out on everything. Jesus said pretty clearly, look at Matthew chapter 16. Jesus said it really clear in Matthew chapter 16. Verse 24, Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross, method of execution, take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for me will find it. What good will it be for a man if he gains the whole world yet forfeits his soul? Or what can a man give in exchange for his soul? Jesus said, look, you guys are going to have to take up your cross. You're a new creation, but there's a sinful part of you that kind of tries to get in there and mess with you. And as long as we're on this side of heaven, we're going to have that that desire that stirs up within us occasionally to sin. And we're going to have to do battle and we're going to have to fight that. But this comparison feeds our selfishness. And as a believer, I'm called... If I'm called to live for him and to follow him and to take up my cross and deny myself and surrender, whatever it is you want to do with me, I'm cool with it, God. I can't say that when I'm busy comparing myself and wanting and and building and just feeding that selfishness. Because then what happens is it starts messing with like the unity of the church. And unity of the church is such a big deal. And I don't think that we get that sometimes. I don't think that that has always sunk sunk in with us that much. But... um, I, I asked my son to build me a temple out of Legos. Here it is. Um, but me? I have spent so much time, like, over here, not really want to talk to anybody, and, 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 like, looking at myself and, like, man, I think my edges are a little bit sharper than theirs. I think these, I think the, these circles, they're a little more to spec than the rest of everybody's, and uh, man, I just, I just kind of hang over here, and I want to do my own thing, and I want everybody to be like, look at me, or, or I, I want to be, I'm like, look at me, look at how awesome I am, and I get proud, and, and, and when you start getting proud, you start, you're comparing yourself, that feeds it, and then you start to get critical. You start to get critical of everybody. You start to get critical of the body. But the thing is, like, we were built, like, like God has called us to be different parts of the body. You're supposed to be a part of the body, serving and working and doing something, not just attending. And, and we're not just all called to sit here. And so we, we have this part to play. But when we start getting distracted, when we start comparing, when we start looking at other people and, and judging, when we start... Um, Thinking that we're a little bit better, man, I mean, it just, it, just, it just tears it apart. It just messes everything up. And so all of a sudden, there's no unity in the church, and that breaks God's heart because we're all talking about each other. We don't like them. We don't like the way that she dresses. We don't like the way that he sings. I didn't like that song. I don't like the color of the bathroom. I, you know, I don't like the way the coffee tastes, whatever. And you just, and it's not about you. It's not about me. It's about us. us. It's all following Jesus together. And being unified as one, because here's what, here's, 
Here's what Jesus said in John chapter 17. Because unity was a big deal to him. Look at, look at chapter 17, verse 20. John chapter 17, verse 20. He says, my prayer, and he's talking about you. He's talking about the church. He's talking about believers then, believers now, believers in the future. My prayer is not for them alone, but I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message that all of them may be one, talking about you and I, that we would, we would all be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I've given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. I and them, and you and me, may they be brought to completion, uh, to complete unity, to let the world know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. And so Jesus is praying that, that we would be so unified. because The way that the world finds out about Jesus one of the biggest ways that the world finds out about Jesus, he's saying here that it's you and I being unified. That it's you and I, there being unity and love and we share each other and we take care of each other and we help each other and we're there for each other and we put down the veneer and we tell each other that we've got struggles and we don't judge. But that's tough, man. That's tough when you come in here and you get here like right as it's starting and you leave as soon as we say amen and there, there, there's or you're not involved in a community group or whatever, because the level of unity there, if, you just, if you're just kind of in here and out, I mean, that's no different than somebody you sat in the theater and watched The Grinch with this weekend. You're no more unified than you are with somebody you sat in a movie theater with. And our call is to be unified and to love and to serve. And I've been in a lot of disconnected churches, and you probably have too. And that's why some of you left them, and you're here. And Journey is not a disconnected church, but any, any church can be there. There's unity here, but we, we have room to grow. And anybody, any church could split up. And all it takes is for you to start looking at yourself and comparing yourself to each other and how good they've got it and how worse you have it or whatever. Because it starts destroying your joy and your relationships. What Jesus thinks about comparison, um, in John chapter 21, he, it's, he's ready to go, and he, he's going back to heaven, okay? And, but he's hanging out with the disciples, and he tells Peter, he says, look, you're going to die. You're, you're going to be crucified. And Peter, I, I don't know Peter's reaction, but I mean, he's probably feeling pretty heavy. And he, he looks back at John and he's saying, I'm crucified. So then he speaks out to Jesus. He says, well, what about him? And Jesus' line is so good. Jesus goes, what's it to you? I was like, yeah, go Jesus. Oh, that's so cool. And what's it to you what I do with him? I've got to, this is, this is for you. This is me and you, Peter. What does it matter? What's it to you what ends up happening to him? Because you need to be focused on me and you and where you're going. So what is it to you if his job pays better? What is it to you if she's smarter or their kids are better behaved? What is it to you if their marriage is easier or if their finances aren't as tight? What is it to you if you know, she didn't have to struggle through infertility? And I know that's tough, but we have a path. And we're following Jesus. 
And our mission, like Peter, is to follow Christ on the unique path that he has set for us. It's the one for us. And so you got to stop playing the game. you got to know that you're loved. you got to know that you're greatly loved by your Heavenly Father. And He knows all the details of your life. And your only job is to be close to Him. And He'll figure out the rest. He's not hiding out on you. But you, you might have to do something drastic. It may be the best thing some of you guys could do, the best thing some of us could do right now, is to pull out our phone and delete Facebook or delete Instagram. Or unfollow the people that you, that you've got. There's about four or five people on your Instagram feed that you're constantly comparing yourself to. And you need to unfollow. Or you need to just delete it altogether. You need to get rid of Facebook and only allow yourself to look at Facebook on your desktop. And make you have to log in. There's a, a lot of time during the day so that you get out of the habit of just pulling the phone out and just staring at Facebook all day. And I'm not talking down. I'm preaching to myself here as my children look at me and be like, Oh, really, Dad? That's wrong. That's nice of you to say. Here's a solution. Here's a solution that I find in the Bible over and over. You, it doesn't take long. When you read the Old Testament, if you look at the Israelites, that when they got into a mess, when things started going downhill every time, because they were up and down, they would like follow God, then they'd get mad. Then they follow God, then they get mad. They follow God. But the, when they started going downhill, it was always because of unthankfulness. I mean, they're out, they're out in, in the wilderness, and God is literally leading them with a pillar of fire, and he is dropping food down for them, food and water. He is just like dropping it on them. They don't even have to go out and hunt for it. They don't have to do anything. He's dropping them and the stinking Israelites, after a while, they're like, mm, this is not so good. In fact, we would like it better if we were, it, it would be better if we were back in Egypt as slaves than having to eat this garbage. And, and God's like, you unthankful little, I would have said turds, but they're like, you know, un, unthankful people. The mess happens when we're unthankful. And that's something that God's been dealing with me for like a couple years now, like just trying to be thankful. Um, and, and when I get in a, when I get in a bind, well, let me, let me read 1 Thessalonians 5.18. It says, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for your life in Christ Jesus. Give thanks in all circumstances. Not, not necessarily give thanks for all circumstances. Like, God, thank you for these zits. Thank you that I lost my job. Thank, no, no, he's not saying like thankful for it, but thankful in it. And it may be hard, but find something to be thankful for. I, I keep this little red notebook, 50 cents at Office Depot or Office Max. They can't figure out their name. Um, <clears throat> and my daughters, one of my daughters even wrote, love you on it. It's cute. They leave me little encouragements. Nevaeh, this is my notebook of what I'm thankful for. I write things that I'm thankful for. And, and uh, Nevaeh went through it and put her name like, on, <laughs> on a bunch of pages. You're thankful for Nevaeh. I want to be your favorite. Um, but like I write down just like when, I, when I'm down or when I'm struggling, when I'm stressed, when there's anxiety or when I'm comparing myself, whatever it is, so many times the, the solution is thankfulness. And I write goofy stuff, man. I write dumb stuff. Like I wrote on here, like I wrote on here, thank you that my grass is green, which you can't get yard of the month runner up without green grass. <laughs> I wrote down here, um, Thankful for firewood. I don't know. I, I, I think just like dumb stuff. But when, when, it, when I'm focused myself on thankfulness and just saying thank you to God, um, it changes you, man. Try it. Get a notebook. 
Get a notebook and just try it for a week. See what happens. God, you know, I don't have a lot of money right now, but I'm thankful that I had dinner tonight. God, my Thanksgiving wasn't all that awesome, but I'm thankful for the rest. God, this problem stinks, but I'm thankful that you're with me in it. Find something to be thankful for. I promise you, promise you, it changes things. There was a guy named Job in the Bible, and he lost everything. He lost his family. He lost his kids. He lost his, his animals. He lost his business. He lost everything. And, and it was so bad that his wife finally said, Job, why don't you just curse God and die because your life is terrible. I don't normally cuss, but if there was a cussing time, like this was it, man. This is, you get a free pass. Cuss all you want. Job says, you know what? Do we only receive good things from God? Am I only going to be okay with the good things from God? Because he gives and he takes away. And we don't understand it all, but I trust him. He's got a path for me. He's got this unique journey that I'm on. And I, my job is to follow him and know him, not lean on my own understanding and try to figure it all out. And I'm with you. Those of you guys who like a five-year plan, 10-year plan, you like your little plan? You guys, you're like me? I know. It's a struggle. It's a struggle to surrender, and, and, but we've got to be okay with it. We've got to trust him. The band's going to come out. We're going to sing one last song here in a second. But I just want to say to you as we finish, that we need to ask God to convict us. We need to stop and ask God to convict us of whatever it is that we're comparing ourselves to others in. And it may not, social media may not be your deal, but there's, there's probably something that's causing you to compare. And, and it, let, me, let me say this, it, it is sinful. It is sinful to compare because of what it does. We know what it does and, and, and it is it is sinful and it's something we need to ask God to convict us in and get us out of. But the good thing is, man, we, we don't have to let it win. We're not slaves to sin anymore because the grace of Jesus Christ, if we have accepted his gift, if we, if we know him, if we're following him, there's grace and there's mercy and, and the power of the Holy Spirit allows you, helps you to overcome sin. Uh, Acts 13, 39 says, Through him, everyone who believes is set free from every sin. Like, you don't have to give in to that sin of comparing yourself. And discontentment and comparing, is, it is a battle that we are all um, in. And it is easy to overlook and ignore because everybody else around us is struggling with it. And our world, has got, we've, we've gotten so desensitized to it that it really doesn't seem as big of a deal as it is, but it will mess you up. And it also reveals a heart that needs to find joy and satisfaction in the only one who can fill our heart. Um, so we're going to sing, um, but in, instead of praying, I, I just kind of want, and this may be kind of weird for you, I just want to speak a blessing to you through scripture and, and go back to Romans 15, uh, 13 and just say to you, may the God of all hope fill you with joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit.